Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast, coming at you live on a Wednesday. It is live November. On a yes, live on a Wednesday. Hump day. Hump day is here. Yeah, we're freaking November. Crazy. <laughs> and we're going to be on to... Never understand how the football... We're almost. We're like basically halfway through the football season. I never... Yeah. I, I just don't get over it. Over halfway for college. Already. <laughs> Way over yeah, halfway for yeah. college. Well, I mean, to, unless you count the the season game wise or nine weeks halfway. of bowl games yeah, right. that we have. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I like turn it on to a nice Tuesday game here and there. Speaking Something of to which, do during the middle of the day, you know, when they're playing at Yankee Stadium on a <laughs> random Thursday at noon. Perfect. Yeah, yep. had a little action action last night on Tuesday as well. So gotta love some action. <laughs> yes. Speaking of college football, we're gonna jump right into that. Uh, for go our question of the day today, and just kind of wanted to go through the initial thoughts on the first college football playoff ranking poll. I'll just kind of run through the top 10, top 12 here, Jell, and then I'll kick it over to you and just kind of your initial takeaways from it. Uh, we got Tennessee at one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four, Michigan five, Alabama six, Texas Christian University seven, Oregon at eight. <laughs> so unnecessary. USC at number nine, LSU 10, Mississippi State at 11, and just for you, Gel, the University of California, Los Angeles, rounding out the top 12. So. Whenever I see, like, for LSU, when I see Louisiana State, I'm like, who is that? Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's LSU. <laughs> Overall, I, I felt like they did a pretty good job with the initial rankings. Again, this is just the week 10 rankings, so we're going to have a few more weeks of this before bowl games uh, playoffs national championship four teams are all set but what anything stand out from this initial set of rankings that came out yesterday yeah i mean i i I think that this is kind of the one that feels obvious given that clemson had struggled just a week ago against syracuse where they had to pull their starting quarterback and bringing their backup to be able to get a spark. And that's Clemson remaining up there in the top four, setting themselves up that if right now the playoff started, Clemson would be number four where I think Michigan has looked like one of the more dominant teams in the country, especially, I mean, especially the way that Ohio state, that Ohio state Penn state game went this past week, Michigan dominated Penn state. And it was, I mean, it was it was a it was a it was demolition from beginning to end in that Michigan Penn State game. Penn State at one point had a lead about midway through that game over Ohio State, and yeah, it was at home, but where Penn State played at Michigan, but they just dominated Penn State, and I can't believe that they're not sitting there in the top four. If it's me making these rankings, I bumped Clemson down below Michigan possibly below Bama and possibly below TCU. TCU has is the only team in the country averaging over 300 passing yards and over 200 rushing yards per game. They're the only team in the country that has 20 passing touchdowns and 20 rush touchdowns on the season. So they are TCU is clearly the most dominant offense. Yes, it's mostly Big 12 defenses that they're facing, but 
Still, they're the only team in the country that is accomplishing those two feats, both through the air and through the ground. Matt Duggar, uh, that their their quarterback is kind of coming out of nowhere, and he's looking like he could end up being a Heisman finalist if he keeps putting up these kinds of numbers. So I'm surprised to see TCU that down that far, Clemson up that high. I wouldn't be upset if Clemson, if you put Michigan five TC or Michigan four TCU five, keep Bama six and Clemson all the way down at seven. I would have no issue with that. Yeah, Clemson was the one that I was kind of shocked at. Like you said, they've been struggling the last few weeks. Like you said, DJ got pulled this last game for Klubnik, and you look at three of the ACC wins that Clemson has had recently. They struggled and had to win in two overtimes at Wake Forest. Wake Forest just got absolutely demolished at Louisville this last weekend. Max uh, or, um, Hartman had three picks, three fumbles in that one. Just absolutely domination by Louisville on all sides of the football. NC State, which NC State... That's brutal. Wow. Is, I didn't see that stat yeah. line. That's rough. <laughs> Bad. Six turnovers there. NC State is, I believe, what, 22 in the rankings somehow right now, and they haven't looked very good at all. And then they just beat Virginia Tech 22 to 21. (laughs) Like Virginia Tech, they are Virginia Tech's nothing special. I have no idea how they made it into the top 25. And then uh, they struggled at home against Syracuse and, again, had to have a little spark with Cade Klubnik coming into that game. And Syracuse just got their teeth kicked in at home to Notre Dame this last week. Now we've got Notre Dame, Clemson traveling to Notre Dame this weekend. We'll preview that, I'm sure. I'll bring it up uh, on tomorrow's podcast, but we'll get a decent look there. But, yeah, Clemson just hasn't looked like a playoff team at all. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with where Clemson would be seated. For me personally – I think it's a debate between them and TCU, which one I'd be fine with TCU in front of them. You brought up some awesome stats there on uh, TCU's offense. And I think right now they'd put up a good fight against Clemson, but Michigan should have been four. I would even say Alabama had every right to be four going into a tough environment in Knoxville, losing by a field goal to Tennessee. They've gone through some adversity this year, a couple games without Bryce Young. So Alabama, I think if you matched up Alabama and Clemson right now, it wouldn't even be close. I I think Clemson should be in the six or seven spot. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Michigan four, I've got Bama at five, and then a toss up between TCU and Clemson right there, which I'd, I'd be fine giving the edge to TCU there too. And Alabama too, they won. They finished off that win against Arkansas when Bryce Young got hurt with their backup quarterback, and they ended up winning that game. And then the game that Bryce did not play, they won as well. So Alabama squad, yeah, they they don't look as special this season as no. they had in past years, but they're still, I mean, if you want to put them at four, that's fine. I, I just don't see how, I just, you got to knock down Clemson a couple pegs yeah. there for sure. Um, I had, a, I had another question. I, I'm looking at Oregon too. They've been playing ridiculously well lately too. You could make the argument that Oregon deserve. I mean, Oregon right now might be playing better than Michigan. Yeah. They got their asses handed to them against Georgia early in the season, but I mean, it's, it's week one of the season. It was Dan Fanning's first game as the head coach of that team. And 
going against his old team, you know, Kirby Smart, I'm sure, wants to sit there and make a statement against his old defensive coordinator, kind of the way that Nick Saban would always make statements against his old, you know, previous coordinators. So, but Oregon's playing really well. I could, I could have seen Oregon above Clemson as well, but I, you know, I, I think, you know, this is the first one of the season. We've yeah. got seven or eight more of these to go, or what, five, six, seven of these to go till, till season's end. So I think that Clemson at some point does end up falling to somebody. Now, if they're able to ride this and, and finish out the season and look impressive and they finish the year undefeated as an ACC champ, they'll probably end up in that top four, but the way that they're playing right now, and that's how that's how these rankings are supposed to come out. How these teams are playing right now, Clemson is not has not been the fourth most impressive team in the country by any means. Yeah, and it'll be interesting too because their final four remaining games here they're at Notre Dame uh, this weekend coming up. Then they're home against Louisville, home against Miami, home against South Carolina. So they've got three home slates. To end out the season after up this until last the trip, ACC up until the game. ACC title game, yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I mean, those are games. Those are games that they should win, but Louisville puts up points, but Louisville has no defense, <laughs> and yeah. that's that's the issue here. Obviously, with with any Louisville squad, but uh, as it's been for shit, do you ever remember a good Louisville defense? No, I don't know if one's ever existed. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they finish out. Um, obviously, they're going to have to win that ACC title game and second place in the ACC. I don't. I, it's not going to be probably too tough of a matchup. Maybe they end up facing a hot UNC team the way UNC has been playing lately, um, and get their get finally get you know get that first loss of the season. But we'll see. I mean, Cle- like like we've been saying though, Clemson hasn't been looking that good. Only one one other team that I want to bring up here is the Louisiana State Tigers. Got to be impressed with Brian Kelly jumping in year one and having a top ten squad in the initial rankings. I it wasn't looking super pretty early on, but they've got but but that team is playing a lot better now. Uh, Jaden Daniels transfer from Arizona State looks like he's kind of found his footing and. It's just, it's just amazing. I mean, Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame. Notre Dame falls off the, you know, completely falls off the map. And he's already got an LSU team that we all knew was talented. They always have a very high-end recruiting class. Took Kelly just a few weeks to get himself, you know, get his team to buy and get himself rolling. But And now he's got a top-10 team in the country. That's that's really impressive. I I've always been a Brian Kelly fan. Uh, I mean, his tenure at Notre Dame is the most impressive of my lifetime that that Notre Dame program has ever had. And I think he just said, "Okay, this school has a ceiling with the academic standards, with, you know, the region that this school plays in. I need if I really want to be a, you know, a legendary coach, I need to go to a program like LSU in the SEC against the top competition in Louisiana, which is one of the true, you know, hotbeds when it comes to recruits and, and yeah, obviously a storied SEC program like LSU. And 
for him to already be in that top 10, I'm, I'm, you got to be impressed. Yeah, definitely a huge chance to move up with a win over the uh, Crimson Tide this weekend as well. So we'll see. Uh, Big time. See what happens you know where there. I'll be. You know I'll be rooting for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Again, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page in that search bar type in Dead Arm Sports. That way you know if there is a little schedule switch up like there was this week, you'll know when our episodes drop live. So that way you can ask us any questions in the chat. You can watch us live. Make sure you subscribe and click that bell. If you want to follow Jell, he can be found at Das Jell. That's at D A S J E L. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D A S J P E C. You can send us in any questions, comments, concerns there as well. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot. Get you some sticker swag sent your way. All right, Jell, let's jump into some more college football here. Talk about some of our biggest takeaways from this last weekend. And I kind of want to kick it off. We didn't touch on this team in the initial rankings, but this is the number one team in the country, Tennessee Volunteers. Nice home matchup and just absolutely demolish Kentucky 44 to 6. Not even close at any point in time. And Two questions for you. Do you like Tennessee being atop that college football playoff ranking? And then I want to get into a little Will Levis and if his stock is falling for the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, I I think at this point they deserve it. Um, Georgia's only true, you know, for me it was between Georgia and Tennessee to be that number one overall squad. Georgia's only real quality win on the season was that opening matchup against Oregon when they dominated and they looked every bit the part, but Tennessee's got a number of high end wins now on the season. And we thought that Kentucky was going to be sitting there ready to go, uh, to, to compete for that sec East and for them to just completely take care of business. Like you said, 44 to six, like that's that's obviously absolute domination and and yeah I I think just with that win I would have said or without that win as dominant as it was I probably would say it should be Georgia but the way that they just completely took care of business I got to say that Tennessee 44-6 win over Kentucky is more impressive than Georgia's 42 to 20 win over Florida And that makes me think, okay, I got to give the edge to Tennessee here, especially the way that they, you know, especially that they beat Bama earlier in the season. Yeah, no, I I agree too. I was completely fine with it. Tennessee right now is flying on all cylinders. Their offense looks elite. I mean, they have so many different weapons there. Hooker is, I think you're going to be talking about it here shortly, Gel, but he's the leading candidate right now for the Heisman Trophy, which going into the season, there's a little bit of hype behind him. I'd mentioned him a little bit earlier on, but it seems like the last couple of years with this Tennessee program just had a lot of expectations. Their fan base is always expecting to be competing for a national championship, but you just see them kind of beat themselves year in and year out and just kind of struggle that way. But just 
absolutely anybody that's coming into Knoxville right now, they're they're beating, uh, cl- again, close game against Alabama a couple weeks back, but ended up with the victory there. And they round out their season now. They have a huge test. We'll be getting into that tomorrow um, against Georgia in Athens. So that'll be tough. But after that, you get Missouri at home. You travel to South Carolina, which South Carolina – yeah, they're ranked number twenty-five last week, but they've been they've been struggling themselves. And then Vanderbilt. So, if Tennessee can somehow get through this Georgia matchup this weekend in Athens, it's it's smooth sailing with Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt rounding out the schedule. And then you get a Alabama rematch, or maybe a LSU Tigers SEC championship game. I just think it's wild that Tennessee is right now is an eight-point dog to the Bulldogs. That that feels like a big line, but you know we'll we'll get into that matchup a little bit uh, later in the week. But I mean, Hen and Hooker going from plus sixty six hundred Vegas odds to win the Heisman to begin the season now as the Heisman favorite. What a freaking jump! I mean, the guys, the guys, the guys clearly a baller and the the catalyst for you know the reason that this Tennessee team made made this jump along with Josh Heupel. So. You know, if you're, you know, hyped for hypeal, <laughs> go balls. So with that, will with Will Levis, obviously a lot of hype that we were kind of wondering about going into the season. That I don't know, he transferred over from Penn State, had a decent year last year, but it's a Kentucky quarterback and started off the season looking like he was living up to that hype a little bit, but the last few weeks just has struggled a ton. I don't know if he's still kind of hurt. I mean, he missed that South Carolina game a few weeks back due to injury. So I don't know if that's something that's lingering. You don't really hear a ton about injuries in college like you do the NFL, but I mean, is his, is his stock falling? I mean, he, to me, he's got to be behind Bryce Young, CJ Stroud for sure now. It's, 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 he has not looked the same since that injury that this whole Kentucky team has not looked the same since that injury. So I wouldn't be shocked if it's kind of, if it's still lingering and it's still, and if it's maybe affecting his play, but everybody's got something going on with them at this point in the year. Once you get halfway through the season, everybody's got, I don't know, a, a, little bit sore of an ankle or they've got a, <laughs> a slightly you know slightly torn something or a you know a, a strained this or that or you know they're just ba- everybody's just banged up anybody that's played on the field at all so I'm fu- I I would have given Levis the benefit of the doubt I mean you know a few weeks ago but damn he has not played well in a while and it's hard to say necessarily how far he's fallen off. I say he's probably right now, Stroud is still kind of looked at as the consensus number one pick. I, Bryce, just there's just concerns about Bryce and his height, and that's that's really the only thing to worry about with, with Bryce Young. I mean, he's he's got the arm, he's but and everything, but look at some of the look at all the small quarterbacks in this league right now. I mean, Kyler's been banged up, but multiple times two has been thrown around like a rag doll this season he's undersized I think that maybe some of these GMs are gonna say yeah there's a little bit of a concern about taking some of these small guys at number one number two number three overall where Levis is 
giant. Yeah, he's a big boy. And he will not be thrown around like a rag doll. So I think I, I think that may play a part in where Levis does end up getting drafted, but he has not played well in I mean, it's been at least it's got it feels like it's been at least a month since he's had a really, really stud game. I was actually going to bring up Mark Stoops here and, you know, I feel like his stock has really fallen off since, uh, you know, since we were talking about, hey, he's going to be the number one candidate as or, you know, if for the for the next job that opens up the next big name program that jumps or that, that opens up. And we were having a little bit of a debate was you know, back then was, does he jump for that job if it's offered or does he try to keep building this Kentucky program up? And I think we both said at the time, like Kentucky as a football program kind of has a ceiling. So if he decides, if he decides to stay, you know, I remember making the, the comp to, uh, that Iowa state coach, Matt, Matt uh, Campbell, Matt Campbell, and he hasn't had the same opportunity since he decided to stick around. Now, I don't know the way that Kentucky's playing right now. I don't know if Mark Stoops is going to be is going to have the opportunity to be the first call on the number 1 job that opens up inevitably after this season, whether that's Auburn, whether that's whether Notre Dame decides screw this, Marcus Freeman's a great DC, not a great HC, whether that's, you know, it could be any number, it could we could have a number of different surprises. I don't know if he's going to have that opportunity now, the way the Kentucky's kind of fallen off. Maybe he will, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. His stock is definitely cooling off a little bit. I think if he does get some sort of even, um, what do you want to call it? Level position as far as um, just kind of a, I don't know, same position as Kentucky as far as like, um, their prestige or anything like that i think he kind of jumps because like you said it's kentucky's so limited with and there's a ceiling there with that program especially there where i don't maybe auburn auburn if that if they were to call him up i think he'd jump in a heartbeat over to auburn i think that is a better job than the kentucky job and he would be fine taking that but again his stock was so high we were talking earlier does he maybe will venables in Oklahoma, go does he over, maybe yeah. just go take over there and keep the Stoops name going? I mean, obviously, that's a great name in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. But, yeah, we'll see. He's got to turn it around. But, ultimately, I think if he does get a job that's equal or greater to the Kentucky one, I think now's the time. You've got Will Levis going to be graduating. You're going to have to start over with the quarterback position. Chris Rodriguez probably leaving as well. So, there's going to be a big rebuild with that Kentucky program right now. And I think that if you get an opportunity, this is probably his time to do so. And if Kentucky would have ended up finishing the season 12 and one or something, for example, maybe that's what would get him to stick around. But I mean, like, you know, they're unranked at this point. And so, yeah, if, if he does get an offer for me, it's no question that he jumps. Yep. Another game I wanted to bring up. What the frick happened to the freaking Oklahoma State Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? 48-zip loss to Kansas State. I'm a man. State. I'm 48. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. I lose 48 nothing. 
like, what was that? How does that? I mean, Oklahoma State has been, their offense had been balling all season, coming off a, you know, a tough loss to TCU the week, was it the week before? Maybe the, maybe two weeks before? I think it was a week before. I thought so, yeah. Coming off a pretty, you know, tough loss. I mean, TCU's obviously, you know, we're, we're, I was making the case that they could be a top five team in the country. No shame in that loss. Hella shame in this one. 48-0 to Kansas State. I mean, yeah, Kansas State's been a strong team. They're, you know, sitting there in the top 15 in the country. But 48-0, you're getting blanked in the Big 12? You're not? <laughs> and, and it's not like you're Texas Tech. You're Oklahoma State. You've got a super senior quarterback. You've got a four, you got a man for a head coach. <laughs> and you've been putting up mad points all season. I... I'm just, it was a flabbergasting failure of of a performance. And, I mean, <laughs> Coach Gundy's kid, Gunner, ended up making his way into the game. Gunner Gundy. <laughs> how's that for a freaking, That's uh, <laughs> how's that for a name? But good. And also Gunner Gundy ended up being their high, their, their top rusher with 27 yards on the ground. I don't know. I I mean, I it's it's inexcusable for to me for me, you know, that's an inexcusable performance. Just just all things considered, this is the this is maybe the worst loss of the season for any team in all of college football. Yeah. No, that was just an absolute ass kicking all around on that. I mean, Kansas State's defense played awesome in that one limiting Oklahoma's offense, which Oklahoma's been Oklahoma State offense has been fairly decent. Spencer Sanders, like you touched on, is having a pretty solid season so far. But we were talking a couple weeks back again, and I feel like this episode for me has been a lot of reflection so far. But we were talking about how great the Big 12 was and how surprising their Kansas and look at what Kansas is doing now. You had Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, we're getting into the meat and potatoes of the schedule right now. Oklahoma State is just coming off of beating Texas. Yeah. What is this? And we're getting into that meat and potatoes of the Big 12 season where some of these teams are just beating up on each other. And an overtime loss to TCU. Like, I don't know. Sorry to keep interrupting (laughs) you, but I'm just like, I, my mind is blown, but they had been playing so damn well. Speaking of TCU, my takeaway from this one, they weren't involved in this game in any means, but they're the only hope now for the Big 12 to sneak into that college football playoff. There's just been oh, Oklahoma, too much. You're not, you're not a believer in the Sooners? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage! <laughs> but, yeah, they're the they're the only hope right now, and I don't know if there is much, there is much hope. hope there for them. I, I think they're going to end up faltering here one of these weeks as well, but I don't know. I mean, it's a fun conference to watch. You can tune into almost any game, and any team has a chance. But as far as their college football playoff aspirations, this this took a huge hit the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean TCU's got TCU's got Texas in a week and a half uh, on the twelfth. That's gonna be a tough one, and then they followed that up with Baylor, who. If you know about that TCU Baylor matchup, that's Fort Worth versus Waco, just a couple hours from each other. Always a always a really big matchup, and it's you know like I said, it's at Baylor, it's in Waco, so they've got definitely two more 
tough test before they would reach that Big 12 championship game. So definitely no lock for TCU to finish this off, uh, finish off this season undefeated, never lost. <laughs> but the way their offense is playing, they they could they could totally make a run. But yeah, like you said, this Big 12 is mad. This is as balanced of a of a conference as there is in the nation. I want to jump over to the Big Ten and talk about the big game of the weekend there. Ohio State knocking off Penn State 44-31, to and Penn State held the lead for a while. They were looking pretty solid, and then Ohio State's defense, of all things, kind of took over in that second half, had the return touchdown, and just kind of got all in the face of Penn State and just really limited their offense. But it looked for a while that Penn State was going to hang in on this one, that maybe they were going to be able to pull off that early slate upset on Saturday. But ultimately, Ohio State, just too much. And between Ohio State and Michigan, ended up knocking off Michigan State this last weekend. It's it's a collision course course of two undefeated teams that last game of the season to see who ends up going to Indy to represent the Big Ten East. Yeah, speaking of collision course, uh, make sure to, if you haven't seen it already, check out that video of those Michigan State Uh, players. Eight guys suspended, I think, from that in total. Eight guys suspended for beating the shit out of uh, Wolverine in the tunnel. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sticking with the the play on the field, Ohio (laughs) State, check out these QB stats. C.J. Stroud, these are astounding numbers. C.J. Stroud, 26 for 33, 354. Sean Clifford, 32 for 47, 371, three touchdowns. But you said you mentioned that Ohio State defense. Sean Clifford also had three picks, and that ended up being uh, that's what ended up being the deciding factor in this game. And Penn State really was was rolling. They had, like you said, they had the lead in the second quarter and, you know, third quarter, only three points put up. And then the fourth quarter, Ohio state just kind of finished it off, but only a 13 point W for Ohio state. Penn state's a great squad. They're, they're a really, really strong squad. A 13 point W is, is a really nice win, especially going to Penn state. But it's this is the first time that we've seen Ohio State's defense show up, and I think that that's probably what propelled them to that number two spot over Georgia in the top three of the initial college football rankings. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just with their defense showing up in this one again, I mean, you want to see a solid defense not give up 31 points, but Penn State's offense is fairly decent too. They got... Um, shunned a little bit by Michigan a couple weeks back, but for the most part, they've been putting up points this season. Uh, any any other games you want to chuck out there, Joe, before we get into the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I, I already mentioned NC State getting a one-point squeak-by win <laughs> over Virginia Tech and somehow still being ranked, so I'm... That's that's enough to. Well, it's I don't amazing want to get all that they're about that again. still ranked with Devin Leary being out for the season, too. I mean, he goes down and they're still maybe that is why because they're still winning games without him but i yeah i don't there's <laughs> it's it's silly though yes <laughs> speaking of silly yesterday was a silly day with a ton of nfl trades going down just absolutely nuts felt like mlb 
trade deadline day. NFL is not usually like that. Usually we only see a couple of trades from the start of the season to the trade deadline and had just tons of trades going down within the last week. So, Joe, I know you've got that uh, handy-dandy list right in front of you, so why don't you run through some of those, and then uh, we'll dive into some of the bigger takeaways from it. So I'm also going to include two other trades that were that happened a little bit earlier than yesterday on the on that Tuesday trade deadline day. Um, but I've got a let, uh, like you said, MLB, this had an MLB tra- trade deadline feel. And all these names that I'm going to bring up, these aren't these aren't utility guys. These aren't, you know, depth pieces. These are studs. These are these are stars. These are guys that can, are going to have legitimate playing time. James Robinson from Jacksonville to the Jets for a sixth. CMC, Christian McCaffrey to the Niners for a second, third, fourth, and a 2024 fifth. Roquan Smith from the Bears to the Ravens for linebacker A.J. Klein plus, or, yeah, plus for for A.J. Klein, a linebacker, uh, plus a second and a fifth rounder. Bradley Chubb to Miami for Chase Edmonds. The Niners' first-round pick that Miami acquired in the Trey Lance trade and a fourth-round pick. Chase Claypool to the Bears for the Bears' second-round pick. Uh, Had to make that clarification because they did get the Ravens' second in that previously mentioned Roquan Smith, but Claypool for the Bears' second-round pick. TJ Hawkinson and two fourth-rounders from Detroit to uh, to the Vikings' For a second and a third, Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth. Calvin Ridley for a conditional second and fifth. That second rounder, it will be a second rounder if Jacksonville signs Ridley to an extension. It'll be a third rounder if they pick up his player option. It'll be a fourth rounder at a minimum, plus a fifth. Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs for a conditional third and a sixth. Naheem Hines to Indy for Zach Moss and a fifth and Jeff Wilson Jr. to Miami for a fifth. So I'm out of breath. (laughs) What are your initial takeaways? (laughs) Well, going back, we'll just kick it off with the trade that initially kicked off this trade season. And that was CMC going over to San Francisco. Saw him in a little bit of action the weekend prior while he was getting used to that offense. But man, Going into this last game, played the Rams, and San Francisco ended up winning 31-14. to CMC with the trifecta. So two weeks into his tenure with San Francisco, already accounting for three scores just in that one game against the Rams. He threw for a touchdown, caught a touchdown pass, and ran one in. So had Debo out in that one, but CMC... That Kyle Shanahan offense is one of the best rushing offenses in the league. Their only issue with San Francisco is the fact that their running backs in the past couldn't stay healthy. CMC has had his share of injury history as well, but man, I mean, watching him in that San Francisco offense this last weekend was just unbelievable and could help propel San Francisco to a division title this season in that fairly weak NFC West. Fairly weak NFC as a whole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that McCaffrey trade has to give Kyle Shanahan the, the biggest eggplant <laughs> ever. I I mean <laughs> 
how just how versatile CMC is, and you know, really, if you think about these these draft picks, a second, third, fourth, and a fifth, like ideally, that second is gonna be the thirty second pick in the draft. Same thing, or the I guess sixty fourth pick in the draft, the third. Last pick in the third, fourth, same thing. And the fifth rounder in 2024, who gives a shit? Like, they're in it to win it, obviously, right now. It's a win-now roster. And, I mean, just think about all the weapons that they have offensively with Debo, CMC, Ayuk, uh, and, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, the way that he's able to just dissect, maybe not dissect defenses, but quickly get balls to his playmakers this this feel this is the match made in heaven i think of all the trades it's a lot of capital to give up but we also know that the rams were going after mccaffrey too and so i think that yeah i mean you get into a bidding war and you have to give up more than you want obviously and um so i think that's a match made in heaven that actually brings me over to the Chase Claypool trade and reports came out today again, live on a Wednesday that the Packers and bears were in a little bit of a bidding war for Chase Claypool. Uh, like I mentioned Claypool <clears throat> for Chicago's second round pick and rumor has it. Uh, sorry, Adele. No, that's no, that's uh, you know, <laughs> stealing from you there. But, uh, <laughs> Rumor has it that Green Bay was offering their second round pick. And for some reason, uh, the Steelers think that the Bears are going to finish worse than the Packers. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, Green Bay was offering their second rounder. And, 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 and the Steelers took the best deal on the table, which was which I think that's probably a fair fair assessment thinking the bears are going to finish lower than green bay um no matter my confidence level if we're thinking logically <laughs> historically that's what that's what that looks like so uh that that turned into a little bit of a bidding war and i think that that's a pretty pricey pay tag for chicago to give up but if they want if they want claypool i mean you know like i said you got to pay up when there's a bidding war and you know something that I that I had mentioned um, just when you, we were chatting earlier in the week is this might be kind of a tryout period for Justin Fields, and they want to see. You know, I mean, the GM, the coach, they didn't draft Justin Fields, so they have no draft capital. They have no tie to him. They have there's no capital that they spent on Justin Fields, and they want to see is Justin Fields legit. Let's find out. Let's get him another legit weapon. Somebody that really ties in, you know, is a great kind of, you know, almost like thunder and lightning with with him versus and uh, I almost said Brandon Mooney. <laughs> Darnell <Fuck>. Mooney. <laughs> Darnell. Darnell's a chump. Uh, Darnell Mooney on the other side. That's a Creed office line. Uh Darnell Mooney on the other side. So you've got your you've got your power kind of like power deep ball or power kind of deep ball possession jump ball receiver, and then you got Mooney as your deep ball speed threat. I think it's a great pairing, and Justin Fields got to make it work now. 
would have loved for Chicago if they would have been able to go out and secure another offensive lineman or two, at least one, um, you know, a plug and play guard or something to help fortify that offensive line and help fields a little bit more. But getting him that extra weapon, now he's got Claypool, Mooney, Komet, two-headed monster in that backfield. He's and and it also moves Dante Pettis from a two receiver to a three, which is where Dante Pettis really belongs, is as a number three receiver. So I think that I think it's a win for Chicago to see. For me, it's mostly to see what is Justin Fields made out of. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm going to kind of lump all of these Bears trades into this right now. It might turn into a little bit of a Bears segment here. So if you're not a fan of the Bears, you can fast forward. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) like you had mentioned, it's a new GM, new coach. That is why we saw Robert Quinn go to the Eagles. They wanted to get some assets back for him. Didn't know if he would necessarily fit into their defensive scheme that they're starting over. Same with Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith wanted out of Chicago earlier in the year, felt like he needed to be paid as a top linebacker in the league, and they didn't want to do that. And they're in a rebuild mode, didn't want to tie up a bunch of money in that linebacker position. So send you over to Baltimore. Extremely smart move. And... Chase Claypool coming in, I agree with you 100%. I think as much as it's cool having Chase come over, it's what do we have in Justin Fields? Like you said, we they didn't draft him. This regime did not have any ties to Justin Fields other than they got hired, and he's the quarterback that the team invested a lot of draft capital in um, last year. So they want to see what they can get. Darnell Mooney is a – He's a good wide receiver, but he's not a one. He needs another compliment, and like you had said, Chase Claypool, 6'4", just a huge receiver. So it gives Justin Fields a big target to throw the ball to, and you can still have Mooney opening up the field going deep. We saw, well, you can get into a gel. There's a couple deep balls that Justin Fields threw pretty well this last week that were dropped by receivers that they just... (laughs) they're garbage i mean they were trying to (laughs) just put i don't know (laughs) just trying to there was was one ball there was one ball that i i I can't remember the receiver it might have been pettis that a perfectly thrown ball down the left sideline and he tried to one hand it and he could have any and it and he didn't catch it if he would have if he would have gone on gone up two hands I think that would have been a ball that would have been caught. And yeah, Claypool can be a jackass, especially, you know, off the field shit. And and we know, you know, some of his antics. He got caught up in the juju TikTok stuff and and everything. But hopefully by now he's been humbled a little bit, given that he's only put he's on pace right now for like 650 yards. So hopefully he's now a little bit like okay, maybe it's not just me. Maybe I do need a quarterback, and maybe I do need to work harder, and maybe I do need to be a better teammate. And I think Eberflus, of all people, I mean, he's he's a defensive coach, a.k.a. he can be a hard ass. And I think he's going to get Claypool in line. I think he's going to fit in great, and I don't think we're going to see Claypool half-assing anything anymore, especially given that he's due for another contract. I believe his... He's got a year uh, and a half left, so at the end of say, the 2023 so season, he'll be a free agent. Right, so he's got no more time to kind of mess around and say, oh, I've got all this talent, I'm 
I deserve a massive con. No, you don't deserve shit right now. <laughs> now, if he finishes off this season really, really well, he may be able to get himself a contract this offseason, but he's got to prove it rather than him going into free agency. He's got to prove it this season that he's worth tying up. I mean, a Mike Williams type of deal, a, a, a 18, 20 million dollar Christian Kirk, Mike Williams type of deal too. And if he, if he can show off, show out, I think he's probably worth it because I think we've always said since he was drafted, the talent is there. There's just been something missing somewhere with him and it's hard to identify, but maybe Eber flus, maybe just getting out of Pittsburgh away from Tomlin away from what's kind of been a circus since Ben's final season that maybe he can kind of turn into the, you know, fully reach his potential and turn into the uh, chase Claypool that we all thought he was going to be. Yeah. And I think a change of scenery will do him well. Just kind of talking about his Pittsburgh days, you have Deontay Johnson, who's kind of that possession guy that is kind of a similar role to chase Claypool as well. So I think he just, wasn't really a good fit with that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. He also didn't benefit from Big Ben at the end of his career that couldn't get the ball downfield and stretch it out. Got kissing titties that started off the season throwing him <laughs> the ball, and then Kenny Pickett's trying to find his way in this god-awful offense right now. But I think it'll it'll do some good. The Bears, obviously, like you said, they gave up their second-round pick, not the Ravens, so that way they could get the deal done. Um, but the Bears obviously saw something in him and think that he's going to be a good fit in their offense. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given up that second-round pick. It would have been very easy for them to say, you know what, we're sellers, we're standing pat, let's just see what we do at the end of this season, and we'll get a top pick in the draft, have two second-rounders that we could maybe package together to move up late in the first round if somebody's there, have an early first-round pick, but... Like you said, I think this ultimately comes down to they they believe in Chase Claypool could be a difference maker, a, a cornerstone piece of that offense to pair up with Justin Fields and getting a good look at Justin Fields, who has taken strides the last couple weeks with, against New England. Last week, even in the loss against Dallas, their offense was still moving the ball down the field and looking halfway decent, just overpowered by Dallas. But we've seen the Chicago offense takes strides the last couple weeks and adding in a piece like Claypool, we'll see if they can get to the next level with that offense. Yeah. I mean, they put up mad points against the Cowboys. That's the most impressive. We last two weeks, really that offense has looked really strong. Just, I, I also just on the, on these trades, I think it's also a, I think on the Roquan Smith trade, getting a second and a fifth for Roquan Smith or for, or for Baltimore setting away a second and a fifth, for Roquan, I think Roquan fits in that defense really yeah. well. They've been kind of waiting for I mean, Roquan is one of the best defensive one of the best linebackers in the league, and something that, that Baltimore defense has kind of been missing since Ray Lewis left. So maybe Roquan I you have to pay the guy at this point, I would think, if you're giving up this kind of capital. It's gonna be interesting to see how they manage paying Roquan and Lamar. <laughs> Or if they're going to ride out the Lamar thing one more season, I I don't know. And then on the uh, and then also for Pitt on Pittsburgh side, getting a second round back, they can fill that Chase Claypool role immediately with 
stud rookie George Pickens. Him and him and Kenny Pickett have a sweet connection. So definitely think that both those trades were a win-win. The Robert Quinn to Philly for a fourth. I mean, at that point it was, hey, let Robert Quinn go. I mean, he's a vet. Let's try to get some capital for him and we're not going anywhere this year. So I thought that was just kind of like a good-hearted move that Chicago made. So I'm I'm in favor of really all these deals so far uh, for, for both sides. CMC, also Carolina getting a ton of capital for the Christian McCaffrey deal. Last one I want to get some thoughts on with you. Uh, Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins for Edmonds, Niners, and a, or Edmonds a first and a fourth, and then also making a move for uh, Jeff Wilson. So effectively trading Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson for Chase Edmonds, a first, a fourth, and a fifth. It's a lot of capital to give up, but it shows me the Dolphins are ready to go. They're here to compete, and they're ready to compete now. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I like those moves. Bradley Chubb's a difference maker on defense. He's going to fit into their defensive scheme really nice and let them make a run at that AFC. I don't know that they're going to be challenging the Bills. They they did knock off the Bills earlier in the season, but I, I don't know that they're going to challenge the Bills for the division at all, but they're going to be a really solid wild card team that could put up a fight in the playoffs their offense has been looking pretty decent and I like the Jeff Wilson coming over too we saw Mike McDaniel was the um was the guy in San Fran that ran the offense there and you had Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson there and they were a nice tandem in that offense and getting the band back together here and Chase Edmonds there's always been a lot of, oh man, if he gets his chance, he's going to be the guy. Well, he got his chance last year in Arizona, didn't do a whole lot there, and hasn't looked great in this Miami offense and he got a chance. He's, and he got a chance. He got his chance this year, too. Yep. He's had his chance now two straight seasons. And Jeff Wilson is somebody that's great in the passing game, so he's going to be a nice compliment, just like he was with Raheem Mostert in San Francisco. And if for some reason Raheem Mostert, which he's had a very big injury history as well, if he goes down, Jeff Wilson can step in and will be a lot bigger and a lot more effective asset than Chase Edmonds would have been. So I really like these two moves from Miami to help shore up both their offense and defense and start making a run for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at the Dolphins right now and thinking they are building basically this exact team when Tua won the title with Alabama where they literally have Jalen Waddle and Tua paired up. They had Jerry Judy, or they had, a, or it was it was uh, Ruggs, I guess, was the number one receiver with Tua when, and, and they, repl- you know, they've got Tyreek Hill. Another speed receiver. Defensive line was, I mean, it was obviously, it's always awesome at Alabama. So you add in Bradley Chubb. This is, I mean, they're doing all the right things to become a really, really strong contender. And yeah, I'm not saying they're going to, they're going to win this division. Bills, I think, I mean, it almost feels like it's going to be a lock. They end up finishing this season 14 and shoot. 15 and 2, 14 and 3 kind of a season that the Bills are having right now, but Miami could absolutely be that number 1 wild card in the AFC the way that they're playing right now, all the weapons that they have. I guess I do have a question with how they fare in the AFC 
playoffs, given that those are in December and that they're going to have to go to to (laughs) Buffalo. Tua doesn't have the Josh Allen arm, but or or a Mahomes arm, but if they but the way that they've been playing, I mean, it's not like they've been relying on Tua to be throwing deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. It's been a lot of intermediate passes. He's and he's got the number one QB ranking on the season so far throughout the league. So if they continue running this offense where he's throwing. 13 to 20 yard darts in the middle of the field with these speedy receivers, you're going to continue to see big plays. And those are the types of passes where hopefully the wind is not going to be the wind and the cold weather won't be as much of a factor. Yeah, no, that's a very valid point. Cause if you don't win the division, you're going to be on the road for throughout the playoffs. And like you said, Baltimore made moves that you might have to Baltimore go to Baltimore, too, yeah. <laughs> you might have to Cincinnati, go to Buffalo, Cincy, still there. Yeah. So It'll be uh, it'll be interesting there, nonetheless. If if New, I mean they won't play at New England, but let's just say New England gets in there. I don't know. It's it's feels like it, you know AFC. It's like all these north northern cold teams, and then you got Miami, this you know warm weather team. It's always questionable to see how those warm weather teams end up faring. Yep. The only other one I wanted to just throw out quick, and then we can get into a couple of games here from this past weekend, but rare. Rare in-division trade, uh, Lions sending TJ Hawkinson over to Minnesota. Irv Smith with an ankle injury that says he's going to be out 8 to 10 weeks. So I like Minnesota trading for Hawkinson. Gives them just another weapon in this offense. And they're obviously the favorites for the division right now. Nobody's looking like they're going to make a run and compete with Minnesota right now for that division title. So I like them shoring up another position now. With I mean, you got Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne too. But it's that... Minnesota offense is uh, going to be pretty solid there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I would assume that Hawk also is going to, you know, he's got a payday coming himself. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I think that's maybe why Detroit was mm-hmm. ready to say, for sure. all right, man, you know, you've, you've been you've been a warrior with us for the last few years. Let's try to, even if we got a trade in division, if the compensation is right, we'll do it. And they got a second and a third for him. Maybe Detroit pairs that to get up into the you know into the late first round and kind of kind of a thing, but uh, no, I, I but but the the story here is Hawkinson pairing with Jefferson, pairing with Dalvin Cook, pairing with Adam Thielen, and kind of the way that I described uh, Jimmy G earlier in the episode as a distributor to his weapons. That's exactly what Kirk Cousins is distributes to his weapons, gets the ball out and doesn't try to do too much. You know, just hangs out in the pocket, whips it out after, you know, <laughs> be careful with that <laughs> phrase, uh, <laughs> throws the ball uh, when <laughs> got to watch out too with the uh, former Viking quarterbacks too, known to do that. Mr. Oh, uh, Mr. Brett <laughs> true. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll definitely make sure this is an explicit label on the episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, I think that's the story. That's the main story out of this trade. Is is the Vikings going going all in? And they should. I mean, it's you know I, I mentioned before the NFC. Really, it's 
it's Philly with Jalen Hurts, it's the Niners with Jimmy G, and it's the Vikings with Kirk Cousins that are the that are the top three teams in the NFC. So how do you try to separate yourself from that group? If you're the Niners, you add CMC. If you're the if you're the Vikings, you replace your current tight end with a better receiving tight end, and and just just load up as many weapons as you possibly can. And it's crazy. Think about all. Think, I mean, it's it used to you know when the Patriots were dominant, it was Brady tight ends, strong running game, strong defense. Right now, your top three teams in the NFC are good distributors with great weapons, pretty good defenses. I mean, the Niners and Philly defenses are great. Vikings fall a little short on that. Um, But last year, the Rams, Bengals in the Super Bowl, weapons, good quarterbacks, some defensive playmakers, but, you know, just not the old Patriots style. It's, It's amazing how much of a change that much of a changeover that uh, has been made here in terms of how much these weapons truly matter. One final thing, the uh, four players that were three of the four of the players that we all thought were going to be dealt or had demanded trades, Kareem Hunt, Elijah Moore, Brandon Cooks, Cam Akers, all stuck around. So moral of the story, don't even think about demanding a trade in the NFL because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, some of those names, I was very surprised that their teams didn't try and get rid of them. But, again, if you're not getting what you want for that player, might as well hang on to them. And so, hang on to it. Yep. Wasn't a whole lot of action from this last week on the NFL slate. Um, not great. Seahawks. Keep rolling. Knocked off the Giants. Giants finally coming back down to earth a little bit. Seahawks get the win. Yeah, I wonder, did, uh, did, do you think Denver tried to trade uh, trade for Geno Smith? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> straight swap for Russ. <laughs> yeah, straight straight Russ swap. I mean, they, they took care of business with the Giants 27-13. Giants kind of coming back to the... Yeah. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> Daniel Jones could only do it for so long. But, dude, this Seattle team, you got to be impressed. Nope. Gotta be impressed. Yep. Only other one I really wanted to bring up here, and not just more so for the gaff, but DJ Moore catches an absolute bomb touchdown to pretty much tie up the game, and or for them to take the lead About ties to, it yeah. ties it up. They are an extra point away from winning the game with hardly any time left, and he takes off his helmet on the field. Absolute no no. Fifteen yard penalty. Backs up the kicker. Eddie Pinheiro misses the kick. Ended up forcing overtime. They had another chance to win the game, and Eddie Pinheiro missed an even shorter kick there. But (laughs) Falcons end up kicking a field goal, win the game. Falcons somehow are atop the NFC South division right now. It would have been one of those two teams. Yeah. I mean, this is... This is insane. <laughs> this is what is going on in the NFL world. I just I wish there was I know that that's a no-no to take off your helmet in the end zone, but or anywhere on the field like, you know, the end zone I guess counts uh, even when it's a dead play after the touchdown has been ruled. God, I wish the refs would have just held onto that flag. I <laughs> I mean, it's a dumb gaffe, like you said, by DJ Moore, but I wish so bad they would have just held on to that flag. DJ Moore's been, like, depressed. 
since that. Like, after the game, he was so damn sad in his post-game presser and stuff. Like, I almost feel bad for... Yeah, he screwed up, but I feel bad for him at this point. (laughs) And screw the Falcons. Like, really? What the (laughs) hell? Go PJ Walker. And DJ Moore had to, you know, screw that up. I don't know. That... That sucked, but I, that sucked. But yeah, pretty pathetic <laughs> NFC South there. Last game, and only one quick comment on this: Buffalo beats Green Bay by ten. Rodgers finally threw the ball downfield for what I feel like might be the first time all season. <laughs> it was caught. <laughs> a receiver caught a ball that he threw downfield, and he wasn't that open. Fucking learn from that and do that more because these receivers are not just guys, you know, bums off the street that you paid 20 bucks for. They did all play high-end college ball. They do have some sort of receiving skills. Just try throwing the ball sometime downfield. And yeah, sometimes you'll throw an incompletion, but that almost like, I mean, it was too late in the damn game for momentum to actually flip, but it made me, as a fan, sit there and say, look what happens when you do this. It makes the team better. So I hope that this propels Rodgers to finally start throwing the ball downfield, even though it was just one completion. I want him to just freaking try it more because I'm sick of these fucking... Behind the limb, behind the line of line of scrimmage dump offs that end up in four to six yard gains, and it takes fifteen perfect plays for the Packers to score. So maybe Rodgers actually learns from this and says, "You know what? I don't have to have one thousand percent trust in every single step that these receivers are making. Maybe sometimes I can actually take a shot and throw the ball downfield." It's Aaron Rodgers, and he's a stubborn son of a bitch. But maybe he learns, and maybe he ju- maybe he does it. We'll see. That's my final takeaway from the weekend. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we can be found at Dead Arm Sports Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Shocker! Type Dead Arm Sports into the search bar on YouTube. We will pop up. Subscribe. Click the bell so that way you know when our episodes drop. And you can ask us any questions in the chat when we're live. If you miss our live show, you can send us questions to our personal socials. Gel can be found at DosGel. I can be found at DosJPEC. You can send us in any questions, comments, concerns there. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. Gel, what are some of those awesome platforms? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Uh, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to your chosen listening platform. Take a screenshot of that written review. Send it to us on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Dead Arm Sports. Also, make sure to find us on YouTube, Dead Arm Sports, in the search bar. First thing that'll pop up. Make sure to subscribe there as well. Comment on any videos, and uh, we'll try to answer your questions. Also, when we go live... We, uh, we are monitoring that chat box, so when we do go live, jump in there and uh, ask us a question. We'll jump right, we'll, uh, jump right on it. Jump on it. Jump, 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 jump on, on it. On it. 
Well, appreciate everybody listening to the episode. We'll be back with you tomorrow as Viernes, and we will give you a preview for the weekend slate of games, college football, and NFL. Upset picks on the way and our Drew Locks. Gel. Drew. Closer out. Drew.